portion of Kisisa has Kuf Lamit Tes Psukim, 139 passages. And Hananel is the Simon, the name Hananel is the mnemonic. The portion of Kisisa, besides being one of the 53 parshiot of the Torah, and each parsha of the Torah has a unique teaching and unparalleled lesson. However, this portion of Kisisa, as the Rebbe says, is a rather universal lesson that we can learn and derive from this portion how life works and how the history of the universe works and how our daily routine works every single day. In the portion of Kisisa, we talk about, number one, the first tablets, the first commandments. God gave ten commandments on two tablets to Moshe. We talk about the Shavirot HaLuchos, the breaking of the tablets. And then we talk about the uh, second tablets that God gave to Moshe after the sin of the golden calf. And the question is, how do these three things, which are mutually exclusive one from the other, all fit into one parsha of Kisisa? And in the portion of Kisisa, we also talk about the three major festivals. The festival of Passover, and the festival of Shavuos, and the festival, the festival of Sukkot. What's the connection between these three festivals and the theme of the parish of Kisisa? The Rebbe goes on to explain that in life, everything is Aleph, Beis, Gimel. One, two, and three. Head, body, and feet. What does that mean? The Aleph is the Aleph of Anoichi. The base is the base of Bereshis. And the Gimel is the Gimel of Geula of Redemption. In the beginning, the Aleph, number one, when God created the world, He created the world by looking into the Torah. As the Zohar says, God looked into the Torah. The Torah was the blueprint of the world. And that is the way He created the world. And the purpose of creation was... Bishvil HaTorah, for the sake of Torah, that the Jewish people should learn God's Torah. Then you have Bez, Bez is Bereshis, which is creation, the actual physical aspects of nature, and God creating a very physical, everyday world. And then you have the concept of Gimel, which is the concept of Geula, which is the concept of redemption. In science, we call this the thesis, the antithesis, and the synthesis. And this is really what the parsha is all about. The beginning of the parsha starts with the luchos. The luchos represent the Ten Commandments, starting with the first word of the Ten Commandments, which is, Anoichi, I am God. And our rabbis tell us that all the Ten Commandments are really encapsulated within the very first word of Anoichi, I am. And all of the first word is encapsulated within the very first letter of the Aleph of Anoichi. That is the beginning of the parasha. 
It's all about the Aleph. It's all about God. It's all about God's mission statement in creation. And then you have the breaking of the Luchas. The breaking of the Luchas represents a descent. A descent of the soul into the world. A descent into the everyday world after a person finishes his prayers and his study of Torah and now goes into the everyday business world. And then from there, after this descent, you have an ascent, which is the second tablets, the Lucha Shniyais, which represent Geula. The first tablets were given to us by God. So it had the advantage of God giving us, number one, the actual tablets, the sapphire. And number two, God inscribing the letters into the sapphire. Even though we prepared for it for 49 days, we left Egypt, we were slaves, but for 49 days we, we, we counted the Omer, we elevated ourselves from the 49 levels of impurity, and we reached the 49th level. On Shavuot, God gave us the Torah, the 50th level. However, it was God giving us the Torah. And therefore, there was a breaking of the Luchos. In other words, it was too overwhelming. God's light, which is an infinite light, broke the vessels, it shattered the vessels of the human soul. And therefore, it ended up with a golden calf. However, we find something very interesting. The Gemara says that in the tractate of Avedah Zarah, page 4, side B, an unparalleled statement. It says that, that the Jewish people committed this atrocity of sinning with the golden calf, Ella, only because to give the opportunity to open the door for repentance. And as Ashi goes on to say, that really the Jews on their own level were not fit for making such a sin like the golden calf. But rather this was Gezedas HaMelech It was a decree from God that made and forced, so to speak, the Jews to sin. If you look into the Gemara, which talks about the, the scenario of what took place at Matan Torah, Moses went on to the mountain, he was there for 40 days and 40 nights. He was supposed to come back, and all of a sudden the Jews, the entire Jewish nation miscalculated with one day. Does that make sense? The whole Jewish nation miscalculated with one day, and because Moshe Rabbeinu was a day late, they made a golden calf. This is really unpredictable and totally uh, callous and totally ludicrous. Because Moses came back one day late, all of a sudden you make a golden calf. You know, we travel sometimes to Florida and to, uh, and to Las Vegas and uh, to Costa Rica, and all of a sudden there's a snowstorm in New York and the planes are canceled, and you come back one day late. So what? Therefore what? You commit adultery. The Jewish people committed adultery. They had one God, and all of a sudden they found another God. And the, the Talmud goes on to say that they saw in the heavens 
the procession, the funeral of Moses, and all the angels were there, and there's a big dark cloud, and, and it was if as Moses died, why did God allow this entire procession? Why did God allow this entire scenario? Why did he give the Jews the, the, the inkling that perhaps Moshe Rabbeinu died? He basically blackmailed the Jews. He set us up that we should sin with the golden calf. Why? To give an opportunity for all generations for people to do tshuva to repent. What's the logic behind it? Many times we say, look, I sinned, I killed somebody, or I sinned, I broke the Shabbos, I sinned, I committed adultery, I sinned, I stole money, I did all these terrible things. There's no way I can, I can do tshuva, there's no way I can come back home, God's not going to accept me, I'm too far gone. Tells the Torah, look, there was never a time in history that the Jews were on a greater high. God took them out of Egypt. They were standing at Sinai. They saw God face to face. None of us can say we saw God face to face. And yet, 40 days later, after God rescued them from Mitzrayim and gave them the Torah, 40 days later, they go and they make a golden calf. They committed the worst sin in history. Not only idolatry, which in general is the worst sin, but they did idolatry in a public way. A desecration of God's name in public. And yet, you know what? God forgave them. So if the Jews were on the greatest high and they committed the greatest low, and yet God said, I forgive you, how much more so we who are not so high and not so smart and not so brilliant and not so spiritual and not so educated. And we commit a sin that is not as great as creating this graven image in public in front of three million Jewish people. If we serve the idol, it's uh, behind closed doors. God says, you can do tshuva. You can repent. And through repentance, you come to a higher place than before. In the place of a bal tshuva, a place where a bal tshuva stands, even the greatest tzaddikim cannot stand. And that is the tikkun. That's the reason why our soul comes down to the world. Yes, it's like the breaking of the luchas. It's the shattering of the vessels. Each one of our souls is standing before God himself in heaven, Anoichi, the Aleph. And then we plunge down into the bays, into the world of Bereshus. And automatically we're surrounded by physical things and material things and by temptations. And it's almost impossible not to sin. Tells us the Torah that the purpose was so that we should do tshuva. So that we should repent, so that we should fix those mistakes and go to a higher place than before and reach the Gimel, which is Geula, a personal redemption and then a universal redemption. And this was through the second tablets. How do we see the second tablets represent this Geula, this redemption? Because we are told in the Medrash, God tells Moshe, Don't be upset, Moshe that you broke my tablets. Moshe was all embarrassed. Can you imagine God gives you a present, a gift, and you take the gift and you throw it on the floor in front of God's face. Moshe Rabbeinu took the tablets, took the luchas, and he shattered it before God. God says, don't worry about it. Because in the first tablets, ah, they weren't so good. They only had the Ten Commandments, 
But the second tablets that I'm going to give you are much greater. They have within the halachos, the laws of Torah, the medrash, the stories of the Torah, that God is all the hidden secrets and the Kabbalah of the Torah. It's keflayim letishia, it's at least double as good as the first one. So, thank you Moses for breaking the first tablets. For now you gave an opportunity for tshuva, now you gave an opportunity for the higher luchals, for greater insights and secrets to the Torah. And now he gave the opportunity for the world to reach a higher level than ever before, the level of Geula, the level of redemption. There's a famous story that is told pertaining to Thomas Edison, who invented the light bulb in 1879. And uh, they say he tried 1,000 different ways until he finally figured it out. And one day a young journalist came over to him and said, Mr. Edison, you have already failed 700 times. Why don't you give up? He said, young man, I have not failed 700 times. I have succeeded 700 times, improving 700 ways that the light bulb will not work. It was through the Yerida, it was through the breakdown, it was through the mistakes that he was able to find true light, true perfection, and the second tablets. And this concept is also underscored when we talk about the three holidays. When we talk about the holiday of Pesach, the holiday of Shavuos, and the holiday of Sukkot. The Torah tells us in this week's parsha, you should know in the month of Aviv, in the month of the spring, you should have the holiday of Pesach. Aviv starts with an Aleph. That is the month that God makes the sun stronger and the fruit begin to get ripened. It's an awakening from above. It's the first tablets that God gave us even though we were unprepared. And then you have the second holiday, which is Shavuos, the Torah calls that the time of the cutting of the wheat. Man cuts the wheat. It's our job. It's our avoida through the 2,000 years of exile. Or 1,900 years of exile. From 70 of the common era up until now. That a Jew has to cut the wheat. We have to go out into the field and refine the world and elevate it. And then we come to the holiday of Sukkot, which the Torah calls Chag HaOsif, the holiday of ingathering. When we gather all the wheat and all the produce of the field and we bring them into the home, into God's home. And that is the third holiday, that is Geula, that is redemption. When God will gather together all the Jewish people from all four corners of the world and bring them back to our home, to the third holy temple. And this is also, according to Kabbalah, the idea of the gathering of the sparks. To gather together all the sparks of the 288 sparks that God created at the very beginning of creation after the shattering of the vessels. That throughout our life we have to elevate these sparks and bring them back together. So, Chag if we are now bringing together all of these things. And this really is the mnemonic of the Parsha. What is the mnemonic of the Parsha? 
The demonic of the parish is Kuf Lamid Tes Psukim. The word Kuf Lamid Tes spells out the word Kalita or Kolat, which means to gather in. The whole parsha, the objective of the entire parsha is not so much the first tablets, is not so much the breaking of the tablets. This is all the part of the process. But the objective and the goal is kolat, klita, to bring in and gather in all of these sparks. Which answers a famous question that people ask. Look, Rabbi, how can you say that in our generation Mashiach is going to come? How can you say in our generation we're going to see the redemption? How can you say that in our generation there will no longer be death, and no longer be sickness, and no longer be war, but we're going to see a world of peace, a world of tranquility, the coming of Mashiach, etc., etc. How can you say that? Our forefathers and our grandfathers, they were truly better than us. And if they couldn't bring the Mashiach, how could we do it? And the answer is kolat. It's not about our one mitzvah. It's not about your one mitzvah. We have gathered all the mitzvahs from all the previous generations. It's all cumulative. All we got to do is that one more mitzvah to tip the scale. So you can do it even though your forefathers could not do it. It's your final mitzvah, the final blow that will bring about the ultimate redemption. And how do we do this? We do this through... Hananel. Who's Hananel? If you look into Jeremiah and other books of the prophets, you'll see that Hananel is remembered from the tower of Hananel. There was a tower built in his name called the Tower of Hananel. And that is how he is remembered for all generations. What does that mean? What is a tower? A tower, number one, is the tallest building in the city. Number two, in the tower you put soldiers to protect you from the enemy. What does that mean today? The code of Jewish law tells us that we are to build a very large building, the tallest building in the city, and that is called the synagogue. According to Jewish law, the synagogue is supposed to be the tallest building in the city. That's our tower. And by going into the synagogue and praying, and by going into the synagogue and studying Torah, and building yeshivas for children to learn the olive base gimel. Through this we create the tower that will protect us from the enemies from without. The enemies of the 70 nations of the world that are compared to the 70 wolves that want to rip apart the little lamb, the Jewish people. And also the enemy, the Yetzirah, the evil inclination that tries to destroy us. So by making this tower... By going to the shul every day and praying in the synagogue and studying Torah, that is the way we create Hananel, that is the way we will overcome Golos, we'll overcome exile, and truly have the second tablets, and truly have Gula, and the ultimate tower, the ultimate temple, the rebuilding of the third holy temple. So on a practical note, every day we have olive based Gimel. We get up in the morning, and we say, Moda Ani, the olive. God, I acknowledge you are the king. And it is Moda, it's all about bitul, it's all about becoming nullified to God. And we continue this by going to the synagogue and davening and studying our Torah. For this is the tikkun, this is the way we fix 
the mistakes of the night before, this is the way we, way we fix of the purpose of why our soul came down into the world. That's our tikkun. And then we go from Aleph to Bez. We go to Bereshis, we go into the everyday world. Regardless if you are a, an accountant, an accountant, a lawyer, a doctor, a businessman, a trader, a plumber, an electrician, a carpenter. Each one of us has our world that we have to create. But this is a descent. It's like the breaking of the tablets compared to the Aleph of connecting directly with God. But in this base, in this second level, we have the ability to find tshuva. We have the ability to find repentance, to find these lost sparks, these lost souls. And this brings us to at night when we come home, we dive in Maidiv, and we say the Shema before we retire, before we go to bed, and we end up with the words, In your hand, God, I give you my soul. I give you everything. I am nothing before you. I am totally subservient to your will. That is the ultimate level, that is Gimel, that is Gula, that is redemption. And this is also found in the three letters of the verses in the Parsha. What are the three letters of the Parsha? Kuf Lamites, 139. Perhaps we can say the letter Tes is the first step. The letter Kuf is the second step. And then the Lamid is the third step. How do we see that? In Ethics of Our Fathers, it says, Ein toiv Torah. There's no good like Torah. The ultimate good is Torah. And the Torah was the blueprint of creation. And furthermore, Tes represents the Sphira of Chachma, the attribute of wisdom, which is the ninth. Tes is nine. The ninth Sphira, when you count backwards. So, Chachma is the ninth Sphira. Chachma preceded creation. Alpayim shana kodma teidaliyelam. Two thousand years, Torah preceded the creation of the universe, and the word alpayim is also an aleph, because the question is brought: there was no time and space before creation. Time and space were were created together. So how could Torah precede creation by two thousand years? And the answer is that the word alapayim is alafcha chachman alafcha bina, meaning the teachers of wisdom and understanding. So chachma, which is the letter tes, preceded creation. It was the goal of creation. And then we go to the letter kuf, which is yirida, represents the descent because the left leg of the kuf goes beneath the baseline, outside of the camp, one who has fallen. And through this falling, through the breaking of the tablets, we come to tshuva, which brings us to the Lamid. Lamid is the tallest letter in the alphabet. And we have a large Lamid in the portion of Nitzavim. There it states, Vayashlichim, and God will cast you down. The Lamid represents, Reimimus represents exaltedness. Mi'igra Rama from the high rooftop until the low abyss, the low bira amikta, the low pit. However, the purpose of the soul 
going from the high place of God all the way down to this low pit is for tikkun, is to fix the soul, to do tshuva, and then God says, I will gather you together, like the holiday of Sukkot, from all the nations of the world, I will make you good, I'll make you multiply more than your fathers. Implying that the good will be a greater good. So the Lamed is greater than the Tess. The Tess is three times three. The Lamed is ten times three. Three is Gimel. Three is Geula. It's ten times Geula. It represents a complete, perfect Geula. A perfect redemption. So this is the concept of Kuf Lamed Tes Psukim. And all of this is also connected with uh, the holiday of Purim. Purim Katan. What is Purim? When you have two Adars, like this year, in the first Adar you celebrate the small Purim. And then in the second Adar you celebrate the second Purim. What was Purim all about? Purim was that the Jewish people fulfilled and they accepted upon themselves the Torah that was given 1,000 years earlier at Sinai that was given to them under duress God put the mountain over their head and said if you don't keep the Torah I will smash you into potatoes and the Jews said of course God will take your Torah